Welcome to Mariners Cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is October 2nd, Monday. The Mariners season for 2023 is over. Uh, this weekend was a really brutal weekend for Mariners fans. On today's Mariners cast, we will um, jump around a bit. I still kind of don't know where to go and what to think. I'm still processing kind of what went on this weekend and overall this Mariners season. But on today's Mariners cast, we will run down the final standings, uh, talk about the disappointment from this weekend on the field with the Mariners. Uh, we'll touch on some positions of need moving forward. I will certainly uh, give my opinion on Cal Raleigh's comments over the weekend and how the Mariners reacted to it. Uh, and then I want to address quickly kind of payroll and where the the playoff teams this season rank in MLB payroll and then present some ideas for the offseason with regards to the Mariners cast. I will also post some of those ideas on Twitter to see if uh, any of you listeners uh, have ideas for me or things that you want me to cover. Um, but with that, let's uh, get into this. Man, it feels like a sad kind of rough uh, uh, final kind of after the season podcast here. Um, there will be many of these. This is just kind of the, the more reactionary uh, pod after the 162nd game. So the Mariners finished 88 and 74. They finished two games out in the American League West, one game out of the wild card behind Toronto Mariners were 45 and 36 at home, 43 and 38 on the road. No real big differential uh, home and away for the Mariners. They had a plus 99 run differential. Um, so those are kind of the standings for the Mariners. Obviously, they finished a game out in uh, in making the playoffs. But what happened this weekend? You know, the Mariners win or win Thursday. We covered that on Friday's Mariners cast. Mariners win Friday, 8 nothing. It was a huge party, right? This was the game where um, Brian Wu started. Uh, I said, many other people said, if you get through this game with a Brian Wu at the very edge of his uh, innings cap and you can win this one, you've got your ace in Luis Castillo going Saturday and kind of 1B in George Kirby going Sunday against uh, pitchers who hadn't been announced yet for the Rangers. So if the Mariners can get through Friday, the Mariners have a very good chance in uh, of winning the American League West. Tons of confidence in Castillo and Kirby. So the Mariners win 8-0. Uh, J.P. Crawford hits a grand slam to put the Mariners up 8-0 in this game. It was just an enormous party. Super fun. You know, watching it on TV, you could tell how excited everybody was, players, fans, everyone. Like this was this was what the Mariners needed, right? This was the momentum that the Mariners needed to create uh, in order to win the American League West. And if you told me 
that the Mariners were going to win 8 nothing on Friday, get into the Rangers' bullpen quite a bit with Luis Castillo and George Kirby on the mound Saturday and Sunday against TBD, I would have told you I would have put my money on the Mariners to win the American League West. Taking both of those games, I would have expected the Mariners to take both of those games. You had your your top two pitchers going. You're at home. You have the momentum off of the first two wins. And Luis Castillo really just pooped the bed. Two and a two-thirds innings on Saturday, five hits, four runs, five walks, four strikeouts. He ends the season at 14 and nine with a 3-3-4 ERA. And as everyone knows by now, the Mariners lost. Uh, it was it was a heartbreaker. It was really, you know, I sat down to watch this game. I was super excited. And it was, I don't know, it was just sad. And and it happened early in the game. So by the, by the end of this game, you just, or excuse me, by the middle of this game, you kind of knew that barring a miracle, Mariners were out of it. And I did not expect this from Luis Castillo, as I said. I expected him to be clutch. I expected him to keep the Mariners in the game. Interestingly, in this game, Mariners lost 6-1. In this game, you know, he got through the first two innings pretty easily. He got into the third inning Luis Castillo did. And with two outs, he gave up an RBI single to Nathaniel Lowe on a 97 mile an hour fastball that was middle of the middle of the plate and up, but not at the top of the zone where I think he wanted to get the pitch. Um not a horrible pitch, but not a good pitch, right? Not not what you wanted him to do. He didn't execute correctly on this one. So the Mariners go down one nothing. Again, we're in the top of the third. Jonah Heim, two RBI single, kind of served an 89-mile-an-hour changeup that was outside, um, kind of outside of the zone even. It wasn't a strike into center field for a two-run single. Uh, so Mariners are down 3-0 at that point. This was a pitch that you don't expect a hitter to hit, but, um, again, kind of hung hung that changeup even though it was outside and Heim was able to hit it for a base hit. And then Leody Tavares hit a changeup that was low and outside that he served in the right field for an RBI single. Now it's 4 nothing, And then Castillo walked the bases loaded and came out after two and two-thirds innings, uh, yielded to Matt Brash. In this inning for Castillo where he gave up the four runs, really the only bad pitch that I could see was the 97-mile-an-hour fastball to low, at least on the run-scoring hits. And nothing was hit very hard. Uh, in this inning, there's some bad luck, right? You would expect Castillo to act, to execute in this situation. I also don't like the fact that he gave up RBI base hits on changeups twice. When, when the changeup was not, even though he has a, a dynamite changeup, it has not been his go-to this season. Um, but he comes out two and two thirds innings, five hits, four runs, five walks, four strikeouts, uh, was not clutch, did not come through for the Mariners in this situation. Doesn't change my evaluation of Luis Castillo. If anything, you look at him maybe as a high-end number two starter and not an actual one, but I think even that is a little silly. I think he's still a top 10, top 15 starter in baseball. Um, But he did not come through for the Mariners in this situation. It wasn't a velocity issue. He was up velocity-wise on all four of his pitches. Uh, He did only get 
17% whiffs, which is not great. Um, he wasn't locating as well as I think we've seen him locate. And his spin was down slightly on all of his pitches. So it wasn't a stuff question for Castillo. It was just, you know, he happened to give up a couple of bad singles on, you know, balls that weren't hit very hard, but still professionals can can control the ball enough and control the bat enough to be able to do that intentionally. And they're down for nothing, some bad luck and some lack of execution. Uh, and then the Mariners hitters just did not come through in clutch situations. Uh, Julio Rodriguez in the fifth um, came up and popped up shallow center field with the bases loaded, didn't drive a run in. Gino came up and grounded out to third uh, to end the inning. So they had bases loaded in the fifth with one out and weren't able to capitalize at all. And then uh, Munoz gave up a run in the eighth to uh, an RBI double to Marcus Simeon. So super downer. Mariners lose 6-1. By the end of Saturday night, Mariners' playoff hopes were completely dashed. Uh, George Kirby pitched on Sunday. Mariners won 1-0. He looked dynamite, went six innings. Uh, through a knuckleball that was really fun. This was in uh, in honor of Tim Wakefield, who just passed away from cancer, who was a knuckleballer for primarily for the Pirates and the Red Sox uh, in, I believe, in the 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, I loved watching Wakefield. Super fun to watch a uh, knuckleballer or a pitcher that throws primar- primarily knuckleballs. Kirby looked good in this start. Fastball through tons of splitters. His slider was moving. Uh, um, His slider looked nice. He was throwing at about 89 miles an hour. Uh, Looks good for, uh, we know George Kirby is going to be great next year, but it was fun to watch him in this game because he had seemed to have a lot better strikeout stuff in this game than we've seen. So the Mariners put forth a very valiant effort in this series. They took three of four from Texas. Uh, You can't, you know, you can't really sneeze at that typically, but they needed to win all four. I'm disappointed as a, you know, I wanted to be able to cover the Mariners in the playoffs. My Mariner fandom, you know, I'm certainly sad. Uh, The Mariners this season wasted, you know, what, what I didn't look it up. We can talk about this later, but was, was a top five pitching staff in baseball. You know, wasted that series or that uh, those results this season. Mariners certainly wasted a, you know, an offense that was in the top half of baseball, which we didn't necessarily expect. Uh, A near MVP season from Julio Rodriguez, an elite season from Cal Raleigh. There's a lot of really big positives. JP Crawford's breakout. The Mariners needed a little bit more in this, in this season to make the playoffs. Um, I would have liked their chances in the playoffs if they would have gotten in because of the quality of their starting pitching, but that's not to be, one other thing that I want to address from this series is that uh, Cal Raleigh came out pretty, I believe it was between Saturday and Sunday's game after Saturday's game and talked a lot about, you know, wanting the Mariners to uh, go out and make moves, right? Bring in a bigger bat, spend money. Um, kind of the things that a lot of Mariners Twitter calls for quite often. Um, and the reaction from many fans was, you know, that, that they were really excited or, or glad that Cal Raleigh came out and was as blunt and honest about what he wanted to see from the Mariners organization. 
that they needed to spend more money, that they needed to bring in a bat. He was pretty critical of the Paul Seawall trade in hindsight. Uh, my reaction, and maybe this is because I'm older, but my reaction to Raleigh coming out and saying that was, I don't know if I would have said that in public. You know, I, I understand that Raleigh and some of the other Mariners players who came out in support of Cal Raleigh afterwards all believed that, right? It doesn't surprise me that they would feel that way. But I do wonder what the uh, what the result or the positive ramifications would be of saying it publicly. Does it put more pressure on ownership to spend money? Um, I don't think Jerry DePoto doesn't want to spend money. I think this is an ownership question. But I don't know. I personally, whether it's sports or otherwise, I believe in keeping things in-house. I think if Cal Raleigh feels that way, he should say it to the organization, to his peers, to the manager, to the owner, to the GM, but not to the media. Because I think this creates a uh, tension that's unneeded. I don't think that this tension and this pressure from the media, from the public, from the Mariners fans that is created in part by Cal Raleigh's comments, I don't believe this is going to change whether ownership spends money or not. I don't think ownership cares what the Mariners fans think. And so when he made these comments, you know, there were a lot of people who came out in support of them, but my immediate reaction was, why did he say it publicly? Why did he need to say it publicly? And then Scott Service came out on Sunday morning and essentially said that, uh, you know, Kyle Raleigh apologized to the team this is the kind of thing that, you know, emotions can get the best of us at times. And people were highly critical of Scott's service for, I guess, requiring Cal Raleigh to apologize or asking Cal Raleigh to apologize and feeling that, that Cal Raleigh's apology is the right thing to do. People were super critical of that, super angry at Scott's service for wanting Cal Raleigh to apologize. and. You know, specifically like Dave Softy Mahler and some of the other people online were going on and on about how upset they were that skirt that Scott Service said what he did. I commend Scott Service for saying what he did. I, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I, I think that again, you keep things in house and you have problems within a team, whether it's work or or, you know, the Mariners or whatever, you work hard behind closed doors to communicate those things and fix them. Cal Raleigh coming out and saying that is not going to do any good. And so if you were causing dissent amongst your team, right? If you're causing uh, unnecessary conversations um, within your team or within your organization, by coming out publicly, I do think it's something you should apologize for. I do. doesn't mean that how Cal Raleigh feels about what the Mariners should do is wrong. In fact, to a certain extent, I agree with what Cal Raleigh said. You just don't say it in public. You don't say it in front of the media. And that's what he's apologizing for. He's not apologizing for feeling like the Mariners need to get better. Everybody knows the Mariners need to get better. Everybody knows that spending some money towards free agents is is a part of the solution to winning a championship. 
but you don't need to say it. Not publicly, you don't. And when you say it publicly, it causes dissension. It causes anger. It causes frustration amongst the organization. And you're not operating kind of within the structure or the pecking order of the organization. And that's what Scott Service was saying. So I agree with Scott Service. I don't agree with people coming out in support of what, of the way that Cal Raleigh communicated what he did. The words that he communicated, I don't mind. I don't agree completely, but I don't mind what he said. Just don't say it in the way that you did in public and embarrass the team in that way. Now, I want to counter what a lot of folks have been saying about the Mariners expenditure, about the potential offseason. We will be talking about this a lot more moving forward. But championships can't be bought. Spending money is not the solution for the Mariners. I talked about it a couple podcasts ago. I compared the Mariners to the Braves, to the Dodgers, to the Rangers, and talked about the various ways in which a team can operate in order to be a winning organization. Spending willy-nilly, just because the Rangers did it, does not make it right. It doesn't, spending is not, is not going to win you a championship. And teams can't instantly become better by spending. Look at the Mets. The Mets were worse because of their expenditures. They got older because free agents typically are older players. And spending is a product of an ownership's willingness to spend that money. And if the Mariners owners are not willing to spend the money that they've made, there's nothing that we can do about that. Sure, I think Cal Raleigh does have a voice in that room. And the players certainly do. But as fans, the only thing you can do is boycott the team, right? There is no other agency that a fan has to demonstrate to, to an ownership group how they feel besides not going to the games or not watching on Root Sports, which the Mariners happen to own, right? Like, And this team isn't going to spend crazily, I don't think. The ownership group has not demonstrated the willingness to do that. So you can get angry over and over again. We've been saying the same thing for years. It's not going to make them spend. Unless, like I said, you can demonstrate a certain return on their investment, like a Shohei Otani, who would bring in a windfall of advertising money, attendance money, marketing money. If you can show that that can create more revenue, then I think they would be willing, but they're not going to any other way. You got to just get it through your head. It's not going to happen. I want to see the Mariners win a ring as much as anybody does. Believe me. I've always said, put it on my grave when I die, that I just, if the Mariners haven't won a ring by then, that I just wanted to see one Mariners championship. I've gotten a Michigan national championship in football. I was there for that game. I was a student at the time. I've seen the, the Seahawks win a Super Bowl, obviously. That's been amazing. Did not get to see a Sonics NBA championship, although I was, I was alive for the championship in 79. I've, I've seen the, the Huskies win. Like I've seen a lot of fun championships, but the Mariners World Series championship is the one I want to see. I want to see it as much as anybody does. But spending willy-nilly is not the way to get there. I did a quick exercise 
looking at payroll for 2023 for Major League Baseball teams. And I found a lot of really interesting stuff. So the Mariners ranked 18th out of 30 in Major League payroll. So bottom half. Initial reaction to that, man, the Mariners don't spend. I get it. 18th out of out of 30 for the top revenue producing team in baseball doesn't make a ton of sense, but not our money to spend. But do you know where the average payroll for the division winners in baseball was? I'm talking about the Dodgers, the Braves, the Twins, the Brewers, the Orioles, the Astros. So Dodgers, Astros, Braves, Twins, Brewers, Orioles. Those are the six division winners this this year. What is their average payroll rank in baseball? 14th. Not 6th, not 8th. 14th is the average payroll rank in baseball for the division winners. The wild cards, the Rangers, the Phillies, Blue Jays, Diamondbacks, Marlins, Rays, those are your six wildcard teams. Excuse me, eight wildcard teams. One, two, three, no, six, four, five, six. Those are your six wildcard teams. Where does, where do those teams rank for average payroll? 14.7 out of 30. And then the average payroll for all playoff teams is 14.5. Almost right in the middle. 30 teams in baseball, the average payroll for playoff teams is right around 14th. My point is that there are a ton of teams that just went out and spent willy-nilly. The Mets payroll was $343 million. The Yankees didn't make it 279 million. The Padres didn't make it 253 million. Padres and Mets went out and spent a ton of money in free agency. Similarly to the way the Rangers did. The Rangers squeaked in as the last as the second to last wild card. They're the fourth highest payroll team. The Phillies, fifth highest payroll team, wild card in the NL. Not a great team. Not a fun team to watch, even. Couple of fun players, but old, right? If you want an old team that might make the playoffs, you go spend money. If you want a team that's in it for the long haul, that's going to be in the playoffs every year, then you got to do both. The Dodgers, sixth in payroll, sure, $238 million. But the majority of their team was built on an incredible system, incredible drafts, incredible international free agents, incredible young players. A one-off trade with Mookie Betts and signing Freddie Freeman because the Braves screwed up that negotiation. The Angels were eighth in payroll. We all know how bad the Angels are. The Braves are 10th in part because they've signed a lot of players to hometown discounts. But their payroll's balanced and they spent money in the right places. 11 through 14, Giants, Cubs, Red Sox, Rockies. Rockies were 59 and 103 and they're 14th in payroll. Red Sox were 78 and 84, 13th in payroll. Pay, spending money does not guarantee you a winner. The Rays, 
excuse me, the Diamondbacks, 21st in payroll, wild card. Brewers, 19th in payroll. They won the NL Central. Marlins, 22nd in payroll, 84 wins and a wild card. Marlins, 20, or excuse me, Rays, 27th in payroll, wild card. And the Baltimore Orioles, 101 and 61, and won the AL West. They were 28th out of 30 teams in baseball and payroll. There are many ways to win a World Series, and there are many ways to get a team into the playoffs. It is not a payroll question. Would we like to see the Mariners spend a bit more and bring in a big bat or two or three? Sure. Would that help the team? Absolutely it would. But it's not the only answer as to how to build a winner. And that's demonstrated in the fact that the average rank for payroll for division winners this year in Major League Baseball was 14th out of 30. Spending is not the answer. Spending is a part of the solution, but it is not the sole answer. And to jump down the throats of this organization and blame this organization and their inability to make the playoffs this year on a lack of expenditure is effing ridiculous. The Mariners went into Saturday with Luis Castillo and George Kirby. Could you, needing to win in order to make the playoffs, could you ask for a better situation other than running away with the division? No. You've got your two aces going on Saturday and Sunday at home, and they needed to win to make to get the Mariners into the playoffs. Luis Castillo screwed the pooch. Luis Castillo blew it. But had Luis Castillo pitched well and George Kirby done what he did and the Mariners be in the playoffs, or if the Mariners made the playoffs and made a big run in the playoffs because they're starting pitching, are you still criticizing management? Is that still management's fault? How is it management's fault? They set the Mariners up to have their top two pitchers go on Saturday and Sunday to try to make the playoffs. All you can expect is to be in contention, and then it's up to the players. They weren't starting Dave Fleming and Matt Young. They were starting Luis Castillo and George Kirby. Management set this team up to have a chance. Do they need more bats? Yes. But to blame management solely for what happened is crazy to me. Payroll is not the end all in baseball. They had an opportunity with their aces on the mound and their aces didn't come through. Again, do I want to see them make moves this offseason? 100%. You bet, I, you bet I do. Do they need a new first baseman? Yes. I, I don't think that's even debatable. I know Ty France is talking about going to driveline and all that. You can go to driveline and go play for somebody else. Done. Second base? Yes. Do I want to see what Ryan Bliss can offer a second? I do. I think Ryan Bliss can be the answer. But I think Josh Rojas is your left-handed hitting utility player next year. I think you give Bliss an opportunity unless you can find a legit major league second baseman to bring in. And the cost isn't too high. Third base, if the Mariners go into 2024 with a. Eugenio Suarez at third base, I don't think that's the end of the world. Um, if there's an opportunity to upgrade, I think you listen. Catcher and shortstop, the Mariners are set. 
Center field, the Mariners are set. We all know that. Corner outfield, I think lots of questions can be asked. I'd like to see Canzone get an opportunity to play again and hit and get regular at-bats against right-handers. I think Jared Kelnick is your left fielder going into next year, barring anything crazy. Uh, I'm okay with that. I can't say I'm comfortable. We haven't seen a full season of production from Jared Kelnick, but I'm okay with that. If the Mariners re-sign Taylor Hernandez, I, I'm okay with that too. I think first base, second base, DH are the places that really need to be focused on. And then pitching, I'm very comfortable with the pitching. I think we'll see some changes amongst their pitching, but I'm okay with it. Do they need to address those positions? They absolutely do. We'll talk so much about the options that they have, be it straight free agent signings or trading from pitching for a bat and potentially replacing that starting role with um, Yamamoto from Japan or signing a Blake Snell or something like that. We will dig deep, deep, deep into all of that stuff. But for now, I'm not nearly as angry with the Mariners organization as a lot of other folks are. I think you have to keep a level head. This is a team that's won, what, 90 games twice and 88 games once in the last three years. That's building. They need to get over the top, right? That might mean signing a player that they wouldn't ordinarily sign. It might mean making a big run at Shohei Otani, which I expect them to do. Whatever the case is, this team is good and it's getting better. Some ideas uh, for the offseason, I will post these on Twitter as well. Let me know if you have an opinion. I'm going to do probably two or three players deep dive and grades per episode, two or three players per episode until we get through, uh, until we get through the roster Um, deep by deep dives. I mean, you know, digging into their advanced metrics, understanding what kind of season they had, where their numbers rank amongst, you know, other major leaguers, that sort of thing, what they did well, what they can improve upon statistically. Uh, We will talk, certainly talk any off season moves that the Mariners make. Um, We'll talk about team needs much more than I just did. That was just a quick overview. We'll dig into contracts. We'll certainly look at the free agent market, especially as it becomes more clear as to what's going on out there. We will suggest potential trades, comment on other folks' potential trades. I'll dig into how a lot of these contenders have built their team and compare it to the Mariners team build. Uh, We'll certainly cover the Mariners minor leagues and some of the successes in the minor leagues Really anything you want to talk about with regards to the Mariners is is uh, I'm open to doing. Uh, you can tweet at me at TinoJr20, T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0, or at the Mariners, uh, Mariners cast account at Ethos Mariners. Uh, but I'm excited to dig into that stuff. As I said, you know, I'm still kind of in the more raw emotional state about the season. Uh, I stated how I feel about management. Um, about this team build. Yes, it's incredibly disappointing uh, what happened on Saturday with Luis Castillo and the Mariners not making the playoffs, but it's still a really fun team uh, for me to cover and I think an exciting team moving forward. So this was uh, today's Mariners cast. I believe it is number 96, if I'm not mistaken. It is October 2nd, Monday Mariners have just completed their 162-game season. We will dive very deep into what this season meant, 
um, successes, failures, what they can do moving forward. I think I will do two to three Mariners cast per week in the off season, barring any sort of big moves. We'll do emergency podcasts for that, but I appreciate you listening. Uh, once again, we were presented to you by sports ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Tino junior 20. That's T I N O J R two zero and the podcast at ethos Mariners, E T H O S M A R I N E R S. Take care y'all. Sorry about this season. If you're a baseball fan in general, enjoy the playoffs. Otherwise, Seahawks play tonight. Go Hawks. Take care, y'all. Peace.